Welcome to the Crypto Assets and Blockchain Podcast. So much about the challenges uh, and solutions. We get now more challenges. Hopefully, for solutions by Sebastian. Not <laughs> solutions, okay. Uh, but a good challenge is already a good start, I believe. Um, Sebastian is professor at the Technical University of Darmstadt, the place where you will certainly see much more talents coming up on the. And the new blockchain uh, industry or economy uh, coming here together. Uh, I'm really thrilled for his presentation because he's a professor of cryptography, so those who are actually really deep in the rabbit hole and knowing what's happening and uh, if there's code or maybe uh, something else to fight. Take it off. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, today. Uh, so actually, I will mainly talk about, because this is a conference on crypto assets, so I decided to talk mainly about uh, the security of crypto assets. Is this actually working? Yes. Okay. And uh, so what kind of challenges we have to face there, and what kind of problems have occurred in the past. Okay, so let me start. Uh, so you see here some kind of uh, news headlines that we have seen in the past. Uh, uh, it started, I think, more or less like one of the first uh, attacks on cryptocurrencies that probably all of you or most of you are aware of, uh, this uh, attack against the Mt. Gox exchange, where some, hacker were able, or some hackers were able to steal $350 million in bitcoins. But there are many more attacks, so very recently, and we will actually look later at this attack, uh, there was an attack against uh, some uh, Japanese exchange where 500 million of cryptocurrency were stolen. So there are tons of attacks, and uh, I want to discuss briefly with you what are the reasons for this and why cryptocurrencies and crypto assets are very like uh, a good target for being attacked. Okay, so there's also like this report that I found yesterday night, uh, it's of Ernst, uh, Ernst and Young, where it says 10% of the 3.7 billion raised by ICOs has been stolen, so 400 million in total. And if you look into the total crypto economy, uh, cryptocurrency economy, then uh, they claim that it was around $2 billion, uh, $2 billion were stolen in crypto assets. So it's a really like a very important to better understand secure, uh, security of these systems and hopefully design secure cryptocurrencies in the long run. Okay? But that's probably very difficult. So <clears throat> what will we look at? We will first uh, take a look at why security matters, in particular for crypto assets. I mean, in general, of course, everybody knows that crypto or like uh, security is very important because it protects your daily communication, your online shopping, your car, if you open it, so everywhere you use cryptography and security. Then we will look into some examples of attacking crypto assets, and finally I will conclude. So let me start with uh, why security matters. So crypto assets are a very attractive target for an attacker. Why is this the case? Because there's lots of money there. Okay, so an attacker, of course, always aims at the place where you find money. Like in the traditional world, it was the bank banks. Now it's the cryptocurrencies because. There's tons of uh, tons of money. So I don't know the market capitalization currently is something like 450 billion dollars, and of course this is very nice for an adversary. And the nice additional feature is that uh, traditionally when you find or when you attack a system like whatever, like your browser, then in many cases it's not clear how you can exploit this. Okay, so you can exploit it. You can maybe install a virus on a machine, but how can you actually turn this into money? 
and that's what you're mainly interested as an attacker. So uh, in the cryptocurrency business, you can like you find the attack, you find an exploit, you can immediately turn this into cash. That makes it extremely attractive for an attacker, of course. Another uh, reason why cryptocurrencies or crypto assets are like so much uh, in the news because of the due to attacks is that the technology is not really very much developed yet. It's highly uh, experimental and many of the systems that have been designed, they move to production way too fast. So in the traditional way, we had like test cycles when we develop a system, before we deploy it, we get an audit and so on. But here, some people design a cryptocurrency, some ICO, they put it live, they want to get money from it. And uh, in many cases, it's, uh, it's like can result into disasters. Okay, we will see some examples later. And uh, the another reason is, of course, that uh, an attack is quite in com contrast to traditional attacks, like in a bank robbery, where you actually have to physically break into the, to the, to the, to the bank and physically take out this money, which is kind of complex uh, approach. Here, in the case of cryptocurrencies, not only they are easy to attack, but the, uh, the attack also can be carried out easily. You can transfer the money easily because the only thing that you need to steal is the short secret key. Okay, so this is the only thing that you need, and then you can carry away like millions of dollars. While in the traditional way, carrying away millions of dollars is of course very complicated. Okay, so and then the very important point is that attacks are nearly impossible to undo. Because we have a decentralized network, there are no regulators. If an attack was successful, there's nobody who can undo, in many cases at least, it's nobody who can undo this attack. So it's very attractive for an adversary when he steals the money, it's not possible like, to transfer this money back to the victim. Okay? So this is very, very attractive for an attacker. And moreover, as uh, Alexander already said just now, there are like fancy cryptographic techniques like Zcash and mixing networks, and they can help you to launder the money, to hide the money. So you, once you steal it and you move it to these super private cryptocurrencies, it will be impossible for anybody to get back the money. Okay, so it makes it very, very attractive for an adversary, and that's essentially the main message of this talk. We must care from the very beginning about security when we design cryptocurrencies or crypto asset projects. So the security has to be integrated from the very beginning when you design or develop your project. Okay, so let's look at some examples of attacks that happened in the past. Uh, so one of the most prominent attacks are these uh, attacks against cryptocurrency exchanges. What is a cryptocurrency exchange? I guess most of you know, but uh, just to repeat, there's like this guy here. Uh, okay, this thing does not work. But there's this person here, some bitcoins, and he wants to transfer, transfer it into some Ethereum. You can also think of it like, okay, there's some other person who has Bitcoin and she wants to transfer it or send it, exchange it in, uh, in, in some, some real, in some fiat cash, in some euros. And uh, many of these uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, actually almost, but most prominent uh, are centralized. So in contrast of these, all these claims that crypto, crypto economic is highly decentralized, the entry point, so where you, like, for example, exchange your euros for cryptocurrency, these are in many cases centralized. So you have to understand also that in many cases the, the infrastructure is decentralized, but there are still many paths around this crypto economic which are centralized, like, for example, these exchanges. And in many cases, these exchanges, they actually, they are the person who own your currency. Okay? So it's not anymore that you really own the currency, but this exchange owns the currency because this exchange knows your secret key, 
which is all you need to transfer these funds. So this has some uh, advantages, of course, like keeping such a, having uh, your funds at an exchange, it's like similar to a bank account. It's more convenient to use, but of course, like uh, in contrast to the claims of being decentralized and being less easy or being harder to attack, like if you have a single point of failure, like a crypto exchange that keeps all your money, then of course this can be much easier to attack and has been attacked in many cases. So there are countless examples of attacks against exchanges. So Mt. Gox already mentioned, Bitstamp, Ubit, Bitfinex, and so on. Very recently, there was this attack against the Japanese uh, exchange, CoinCheck. Maybe you're from CoinCheck? No. <laughs> OK. But, uh, so CoinCheck, and uh, because you were like just uh, looking at this. So uh, it was hacked, and $530 million in this cryptocurrency NEM, which I did not know until yesterday. But uh, this was stolen from this exchange. So what are the reasons for this uh, attack? Uh, so this uh, exchange essentially did not follow some of the common security features or practices that you should apply when you handle such huge amounts of money. So one first reason is that they did not use cold wallets. We will take a look into what are cold wallets in a moment. And they also did not use this feature which is called multi-sig, where we also look into uh, what this is in a moment. So what are uh, cold wallets? So essentially, cold wallet and hot wallet, these are like two corresponding things. So cold wallet, uh, hot wallet, you can think of this as your pocket money that you keep around. It is uh, always online, so you can spend it, you can use it, you can pay with it immediately. So it's very accessible. On the other hand, the cold wallet is just where you keep all the monies that you earn during your lifetime. Okay? It's like not, you should not carry around like all the money that you earned in your entire life. You should not, I should better not keep it in my pocket there, but I have it somewhere stored in my safe. And exactly this uh, cold wallet, uh, this was what happened in the, in the case of this uh, attack. So most of the funds, of these funds, they were actually stored in the hot wallet. So they were very easy to attack because they are attached, they are uh, attached, they are connected to the internet, and an attacker can easily or much easier exploit them. So uh, the moral is that you should, to mitigate attacks, you should keep only small amounts of money, only the ones that you currently use, you should keep in your hot wallet. Then the next thing uh, is that uh, you should use multi-signatures. So what are these multi-signatures? The basic idea is that you split the secret key where you store your funds, which are like, the thing that you need to spend your funds, you split this into multiple parts, in this case here four parts, and only if a certain number of these keys is known to you, you can spend your funds. Okay, so in this case, for example, you could design a scheme where the funds, where three parties have to come together, it could be like maybe your phone, some hardware token, and maybe my computer, only if these three things come together, then I can spend my funds. Or maybe some part is stored on the wallet, uh, on, the, on, the, on the exchange. Or like this. So, so essentially, to mitigate the attack, this is also what they didn't use. They didn't use uh, in this, uh, um, in this uh, exchange, they didn't use this uh, multi-signature feature. And that's why it was much easier to attack. Okay? So, and this, of course, very surprising from, or from a security point of view. You have so much funds in this kind of address that is so easy to attack, 
while they are relatively easy solutions or like kind of countermeasures to prevent this. Attack. So uh, you should try to use them in, to, in your projects, uh, into, in your technology, or in, in your, your private money you should probably use these kind of techniques. So another topic that I would like to look at is smart contracts. So smart contracts uh, were also heavily attacked. And smart contracts are contracts written in a programming language that are executed on the blockchain. One prominent <coughs> example is the Ethereum blockchain, which we also heard earlier today. And uh, programming language, one of them uh, in which you can write these contracts is called Solidity, which is similar to JavaScript. Okay, So it's kind of a bit surprising also from a security point of view that we write contracts in something like JavaScript and we don't use some more secure programming language. But uh, of course you can get like much faster like adoption of the technology if you use some kind of programming language that everybody already knows or something that's similar to this. So it fosters adoption but it's not really good from a security point of view. What is a smart contract? So some simple example is a contract that maybe you can receive some ether from two people and uh, then when, uh, only when it received these uh, coins from these two people and a certain amount of time has passed, then it pays out the ether to some other person. Okay, so it's some kind of like conditioned money. So you can write program. This program is executed by the blockchain or by the miners that run, maintain the blockchain. And depending on some conditions uh, uh, satisfied, the money gets transferred to a different party from the contract away to a different party. And one of the main applications or an important application of smart contracts are ICOs. So there was a very famous vulnerability that had a lot of consequences for the Ethereum ecosystem, which is the vulnerability of the DAO. This was one of the first smart or the first, well, the first ICOs that was deployed on the Ethereum network. And uh, the basic idea was uh, to simulate or to emulate a distributed venture capital fund where this venture capital fund, I mean, this is like a very nice idea. So it kind of like it collects money from investors in a crowd fashion way. So there's no central authority who can control it. So it co collected a lot of money. It was very successful, collected $116 million in, I think, within a one, one month, so very quickly. And uh, then there was like an attack against this DAO, which is called actually a quite common attack in distributed systems uh, called the re-entrance bug, which I will show you in a moment on the next slide, which allowed an attacker to attack this smart contract and take out 50 million, more than 50 million dollars from this contract. And as I said in the beginning, this was a very like important attack to the Ethereum ecosystem because it resulted into a fork. So uh, afterwards, after this attack, there was a split in the Ethereum Classic community and in the Ethereum community that uh, did not agree on what is the reality. So what is the reentrance back? This is simplified pseudocode from, uh, well, it looks similar somewhat to the Solidity. And uh, the basic idea is you have here some uh, uh, contract. Well, uh, so you have some mapping, which essentially maps addresses, so the people who own the money, to some money. And there's a function that allows you to take the money away. So it's a kind of a withdraw that you have, like, in the bank, you can withdraw money. And this is kind of like an implementation of a withdraw. So, uh, the basic idea here is that, okay, so there's a payout function uh, at the, I don't know if this thing doesn't work, I think, yeah, it works, but there's a payout function here, 
and uh, this essentially will kind of send money, this uh, amount of money that was uh, owned by the person who started to trigger this function, this uh, will be sent to the sender here. And uh, after the payout was completed, we set the balance to zero. Okay, so uh, the idea is nice. So this was exactly, essentially what happens. The idea is nice. Uh, the contract kind of the withdraw function sends away the money. If I withdraw money from this contract, I receive this money. And afterwards, my balance in this contract is set to zero. But the problem was that uh, the, this kind of function could stall this contract, so it could not, it, it, would, it would not continue to execute and set the balance to zero, but instead it would stall this execution here, and the attacker could execute this withdrawal again, running again here, paying out again money without setting the balance to zero. Okay, so in this case, uh, it's kind of re-entrance because you re-enter this function again and again and again without ever deleting the balance of this user. Okay, so this is kind of how this attack uh, was possible to carry out. Another is disparity vulnerability. Uh, in November 1, 2017, 115 million funds were locked in the Parity wallet. Parity wallet is also a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain, which uh, is like a multi-sig, or it's a multi-sig feature. It implements a multi-sig feature where you, if you want to access the funds, you need to have like multiple signatures to get the funds, and uh, for uh, like to reduce the costs on the blockchain, as we heard from Alexander, the costs are, can be quite high. So to reduce the costs, this implementation used the library, which we also use all the time in programming anyway. So you call the library contract, so this parity contract calls the library contract, and then some attacker, or no, maybe not some attacker, but uh, he claimed it was accidentally, he killed this library, and uh, this resulted in uh, the fact that 115 million of dollars are blocked in this contract. Okay, so the people who own this money, they cannot get back this money anymore, which of course is like not really nice. This person claimed that it was accidentally. We don't know. So how can you mitigate these attacks? Uh, so you should prepare for failure. So you should uh, be able to respond to bugs in some way, though there should be like circuit breakers, it's called sometimes like this, which also was actually implemented in the DAO and this uh, smart contract that I just mentioned, where after 28, for, for 28 days after the attack, so when you want to withdraw money, then 28, for 28 days, this money is locked before you can move it outside of the system. Okay, so in this way, if an attack happens, you cannot immediately start to move it to Zcash or some kind of annuity services and loan this money because it's locked in some address before it can further move further on. Okay, so this helps you to like mitigate the risk. Okay, so you should also not put all the address, uh, all the money, of course, in one address, which is also kind of not such a smart idea. You should, of course, uh, carefully test your code, which is like a general rule, but in cryptocurrencies, in many cases, it doesn't hold. I mean, people don't follow this rule. So you should test your contracts. You should use bug bounties as much as possible. Uh, you should like, get also independent advice from specialists that analyze your code. Uh, you should always choose simplicity over efficiency so, and low costs. So, so don't care so much about the efficiency and about the cost, but care about simplicity because it's much easier to analyze than the security properties of your code. And never, 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 ever, so if you only take one 
remark from me today, uh, only one information from me today, you should remember that you should never in your life try to attempt to design your own cryptographic primitives. This is like a like really like not good idea because designing cryptographic primitives is a very complicated process. Many people like spend years to design them and if you start to deploy all of a, all of a sudden your own random number generator, your own hash function or whatever, then it's extremely likely that it's going to be breakable and can be attacked. So always use standard crypto primitives which are like deployed which you can find in any library. So this more or less concludes my talk. Uh, to final, some final notes. So crypto assets are highly experimental technology. We do not understand it yet fully, but we are working on, on better understanding them. Uh, so if you want to design something, you should invest time and money to build a secure system. You should do it from the very beginning, because if you have a bug in your system, it will be very, very hard to fix it later. You can think of programming smart contracts or programming distributed systems or programming cryptocurrencies as like programming hardware, okay? So I built a hardware chip. Fixing a bug in a hardware chip is very expensive. You can see this with this Intel Spectre, uh, in, Intel uh, meltdown attack that we just had in the news very much. Okay, so you should like uh, compare like programming cryptocurrencies with programming hardware and not with like web applications that are easily updated. So you should always focus on uh, the basics first. So we saw many simple attacks where people like kind of, I mean, they, 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 like you should not trust only one secret key, you should share it and so on. Before you focus on advanced features like maybe quantum security or whatever, you should really first get the basics right. So focus on the simple things like writing secure code and uh, ask experts for advice and to audit your code and audit your distributed systems because not everybody can be expert in everybody, so everything, so we probably should help, uh, you should ask people, independent people for audit. So this concludes my talk. Thanks a lot. Thank you.